Hello, guys. I'm Chrissy. And I'm Carrie. And we are Status Status Macabre. Macabre. We are. Yeah. I'm We're, so excited. You're ex- you say that every week. Do I? You say it every week. I'm well, so excited. What are you excited that's about? That's my tag, right? Everybody knows. Fuck. All right. That's Carrie. Stupid excited over there. I was going to say, what are you so excited about? I'm excited about, uh, one, I'm excited about this recording. Two, oh, I'm, I'm always excited. excited about that. Yeah. I'm excited about um, our Facebook page and the... Mm-hmm. promoting quote unquote that I did in Boston. I know you dirty motherfucker. Love it. Love it. <laughs> it's a wicked piss of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get to go up in like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We're it's- going to the Lizzie Borden house. Yes. And so for clearly everyone that's listening, they don't know this, but while I was up there, I went up for a little bit of work and a little bit of pleasure while I was up there, I took a ride out to the Lizzie Borden house and FaceTimed Chrissy. Yeah. And showed her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And showed her um, just, you know, what it, what it looked like. It was. It's huge. It's. It, it looks clearly huge. Clearly, I didn't get to see on the inside. Right. But I was not. I kind of thought it would be in the middle of a field somewhere. Oh, yeah. I didn't. It is like right downtown in a city. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. There's that. I don't. Well, I mean, what. I, I feel like the murder happened right downtown in the city. I just, I maybe I was thinking back 120 or whatever years ago. Like, <laughs> oh, when they clearly had dirt roads. nothing is around it, and yes. everything is named the the Lizzie Borden apartment. Oh, I know, I saw that. That's the, what's crazy. Borden... Where do you live, Lizzie Borden apartments? <laughs> I was like, mm. everything is fucking Lizzie Borden. Yeah, that's so creepy. But, but you know, it was it was cool. I had a really good time. I met a lot of really awesome people. I you know I. Uh, Went to a couple little places, but one little bar. I think it was called Kelleher's. Like, I think it's a little Irish bar. Mm-hmm. And sounds about right. Close to Canton. Yeah. And um, I met a really wicked, awesome chick named Trisha. And then um, another uh, really awesome chick named Carrie. And so we just had a really good time. So hopefully they'll tune in and give us a like and give us some feedback. I love some feedback. Same, same. Not really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I hope everybody's having a wonderful Mother's Day. So shout out to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. It's fucking hard to be a mother. Wicked hard. It gets easier, ladies. I I will attest to that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm still waiting. (laughs) I love my children. You you still have little, little ones. And a little, little. How old is the littlest? She's 10. She'll be 11 next week. Yeah. She's little. But I don't know. But either way. Mine are gone, gone. Grown and gone. I know. I can actually have a drink with mine. Oh, I can with mine in a couple of weeks. If he wasn't in Iraq. (laughs) So, so, yeah. He'll be in Iraq when he turns 21. So, and he can't, they can't drink on deployment. So. At all? No. No. I mean, I'm not saying they don't smuggle some shit on, but... I mean, they can't even have, like, a on their day off, they can't have a drink? No, they're in a fob, like, in the middle of the desert. Yeah, but the folks that I've talked to... Well, yeah, like, I mean, he could... When he was in Korea, he went off base, and I think they had drinks and stuff, but there's nowhere to go off base in Iraq. 
interesting. I thought they had that shit on the, base, but uh, not on the fobs. Yeah. So. Well, sorry. I know he'll figure it out. It's okay. So we but, have got we have got a really good episode today. Yes, we do. So I don't know if anybody's looked at the um, website or anything, but today's episode is about Pee Wee Gaskins, and actually his name is. Donald Henry Gaskins, but everybody called him Pee Wee. So, and he is a piece of shit of the utmost pieces of shit. So I have to say, I've definitely heard of Pee Wee Gaskins, but I literally know nothing about him. Oh my God. And well, I've had this print off now for a couple days that you haven't run. So yeah, I you suck. Like a couple days probably is not accurate, but sure. We'll roll with that. <laughs> it's all right. And maybe it might've been yesterday afternoon at like it, seven it might, or, or hashtag yesterday evening at seven. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes I work better under pressure. You know what? We both do because yep. we're always like, oh my God, I get four hours. I got to finish this. What have you been doing all week? Whatever the fuck I want, bitch. <laughs> Mind your own. Leave me alone. Let me live, bitch. God. All right. Get so let's. my business. <laughs> so let's dive into it. Let's dive in. So um, Donald Henry Gaskins Jr., better known as Pee Wee was born in Florence, South Carolina on March what? 31st in 1933. Look at that. I didn't even read the first sentence. South Carolina. Yeah. He was like our state's most Notorious prolific or... and infamous killer. Yeah, absolutely. This He's a dirtbag. And um, he was the illegitimate son of Eula Parrott. Eula. Now, that's a name we didn't have on our list when we were in Savannah. I know. Eula. Next time you get to be Eula. Eula. <laughs> and his father's name was Donald Henry Gaskins, obviously, because he's a junior. Um, and just for the purposes of this episode, we're going to use the name Pee-wee when we're talking about yeah. Pee-wee, just because that's what everybody called him, and that's what the world knows him as. So because so. I didn't read, I'm going to ask the question. Do yep. we? Do you ever explain to us where the name Pee-wee came from? Mm-hmm. Okay. I will wait then. Yeah, so sit down. Um, Calm down, Carrie. So Pee-wee grew up on a tobacco farm in a little town called Leo, which I don't know anything about, but it's in Florence County in South Carolina, and Florence is... Well, you guys can look at a fucking map, but it's it's Headed on the way to Myrtle Beach. Yeah. So more towards the coast. Uh, he His mother really neglected him, and he was one of many, many illegitimate children. And I want to say it was like four. Um, How many? Four? Four illegitimate children. But so when you say illegitimate, um, you literally just They was bastards. <laughs> so she's just hooking up with people and having babies and then moving on to the next person. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. But yeah. then giving them the name of the father. Yeah, it's really, yeah, exactly. So when he was one, he drank a, ba- a bottle of kerosene, which caused him to have convulsions okay. until he was about three years old. Question. Yes. A bottle of fucking kerosene. Yeah, dude. Apparently it's delicious. like, <laughs> so. <laughs> and they didn't light any matches near him for a while. <laughs> so, but like, are we talking about like a, like go refill the gas can bottle or oh, you're thinking like nipple bottle? No, no, no dude. Like, like, like he opened a gap. Like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, at I mean, one. at kerosene heaters though. I mean, we didn't. It's 1933. Okay, that's so fair. it's you didn't have a whole lot of probably. But have you seen the central silly, heating and air? Silly parents who give their kids limes and lemons and pickles and watch their face and they don't put their fucking face back to the lime and lemon kerosene. Yeah. Was he? Well, he had convulsions for three years after that. 
<laughs> and my point is, what is wrong with and him? And you should have age? seen his shits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with him at one years old? Or one year and old. His where, mom neglected him, dude. Where he was like, yeah, this tastes awesome. I think I'll I think I'll drink the rest of the bottle. Because his mother neglected him. God. She was busy making other illegitimate people. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. So you asked about his name. Yeah. So he was teased at a very young age for being so small, like really, really small. And, and you'll see a little bit later. He was definitely unattractive. Yes. He had like big ears. He look. he's just, he looks like a goon. He does. He, ju- he looks like a goon. But anyway, so he was, he was teased a lot. The neighborhood kids would call him names and beat up on him on a regular basis, which made him hate school and basically think it was just a waste of time. Right from the start, he had to learn how to defend himself just because he got picked on so much. Yeah. Um, so his mother, Eula, introduced Pee Wee to a long list of stepfathers. So there was always a new man. And he would call these people, like these men, his stepfathers. But I don't know that they were necessarily legitimate because they didn't get married. You just, know what I mean? Just some random... It was. It was like whoever he, she was dating... And, you know, these men usually beat the shit out of him and they just... It's freaking super... It's just unfortunate. It really is. And, you know, we were talking last week about nurture, nature, all that kind of crap. And, you know, this this guy, for me, I, he was just born pure evil. You know, okay. he just was born pure evil. But, um, so she finally married a guy named Hinnett... Hannah, who eventually became his, you know, legal stepfather. And the guy hated Pee-wee. I think he was just, he would knock the shit out of him, push him around, that kind of thing. Um, He had two half-sisters and two half-brothers. And I'm thinking this, you know, after him. So I think that was by the Hennett guy. Yeah. And he said that his childhood really wasn't that bad outside of being teased about his size. Uh, at a very small age, he just remembers being different. So here's a guy who, from what I'm hearing in literally a couple of paragraphs, mm-hmm. who was abused and neglected, yep. drank a bottle of kerosene at the age of one, yep. but then goes on to say, and I'm assuming later years, that his childhood really wasn't that bad. Yeah, well, I think in comparison, you know, there were bad times, but, you know, at the 30s, where like what, I mean, probably not, I guess that's not the depression, is it? Uh, 1930. Yeah, the depression happened. I think in 29. Yeah. So I mean, it. it he probably they didn't have a lot of money. Well, but you know, you but poor and have love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just saying. And his mother, you know, and we'll you'll see in a little bit. Okay. His mother did love him, but I think at a young age he was neglected more than anything, and he was just insecure about who he was because he was so fucking small. Yeah, he was like a little troll. Like a little, like a little troll. A little troll, a little troll. with big ears. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> He tells a story of when he was not yet old enough to go to school. His mother and stepfather at the time, and I don't know if this is the Hinnett guy, but it was one of the many men he called stepfather, took him and a female cousin to the carnival where they were watching a giant king cobra in a cage prey on a large rat. And he says, like, he comes eye to eye with this cobra. Like, and, and, and yeah, and like this. I guess probably glass cage or whatever. And he comes eye to eye with the King Cobra 
They're looking at each other, like, right in the eyeballs. Well, when the cobra struck the rat and swallowed it, his female cousin was, like, grasping a hold of his mom's leg. And while his parents were, like, looking on in fear. Because it is, I don't know if anybody's ever seen a snake eat a mouse or prey. And it is disturbing for me. I I didn't like watching that shit. So it was kind of, yeah, sad and, and scary. Well... When this happened, Pee-wee actually remembers having a hard-on. So little Pee-wee's Pee-wee got hard. Exactly. His Pee-wee got a little hard. I don't know if it was a nubbin, but it got hard. His little button got hard. His little button. Yep. And so he didn't know what was important about that and why it was important. But to, you know, up until he died, that was like one of like a very ex- – extremely important moment for him in his life yeah and he just said he knew right then and there he was different like his feelings and what he felt about things was different so he also admitted to hating girls at a very young age because they made fun of him and called him names he felt like girls knew what guys wanted you know basically sex boobies you know they had it tna Yep. Everybody picked on and, him and called him names. Yep. Why and that, single out the females? I don't know, but girls could, you know, they dangled this carrot in front of their face. You know, he could never have. He could never have. And then boys had to do whatever they, the girls wanted in order to get some yeah. TNA. So he just really hated women. So, and, and he knew if he made, you know, hit a girl back or pushed trouble. her. Oh, yeah, he'd get punished. So he just fucking hated women. So around around the age of 10, Pee-wee started hanging around the mechanic at the gas station. He loved mechanics and was actually very good with tinkering, you know, with machines, cars, etc. It was just really good at it, which we'll see a little bit later. Around 11, he started skipping school to hang out at, at the gas station, making a few bucks on the side, helping the mechanic, you know, go to and fro, get, get the wrench. Yeah. Get, I don't know, whatever you do with engines i don't know but um rather than go to school and get picked on he decided to quit school and help the mechanic at the age of 11 yep. he was like i he was like fuck I school know enough to make this decision on my own mom exactly it was the fucking 30s He's dude out. nobody 40s yeah i mean but you you didn't have like this big push to get people to college in those days and a lot of people stopped Going to school at, you know, a young age. I know my grandmother in Ohio, she's dead, rest her soul, but she only went to school until the third grade. Then, you know, you go working on the farm. My grandpa dropped out of school at whatever age, not fucking 11, but dropped out of school, I want to say in like the sixth grade, lied about his age, if I'm not mistaken, and joined the army. Yeah. Oh, well, there was a lot of that too, but... Pee-wee, unfortunately, did not do that. But his parents clearly, I mean, his parents were not happy that he quit school. And they were they were actually pissed. And in fact, his stepfather said, okay, well, if you're going to quit school, you're not working at the fucking gas station. You're going to work on the farm. You're going to work for us. So he was put to work on the farm and was only allowed to go help the mechanic on Saturdays. Oh. So, but people would bring him like broken radios, record players, sewing machines, you know, to the gas station and for him to repair them. And then you make a little, a little money on the side. 
Well, during this time, Pee Wee's, like, well, free time, rather, he um, would hook up with the local boys from Leo, and they'd go to a place called the Hideout. Well, the Hideout was kind of like a shack. You know, it was like an abandoned house in the woods, and yeah. Trouble. Exactly. So, speaking of, and saying that, he had these two friends named Danny and Marsh, and they called themselves the Trouble Trio. So, yeah, no doubt they were trouble. They sat around, they smoked cigarettes that they stole, they bragged about what they knew about girls and watched the older boys jerk off or cornhole. And if that wasn't bad enough, they'd watch them and teach them how to fuck a sheep, a goat, or a chicken. All right. I got questions. Oh, I know. How do you fuck a chicken? (laughs) (laughs) Literally... The only question that... Literally, that is what came to my brain. That's the only question I have in my mind, and um, and that's probably the only question that I will have in my mind for a while. Yeah, I don't know, but... and Because I... So, hmm. Um, I mean, boys are going to be boys. <laughs> I got nothing. I mean, my parents had chickens. Yeah, I don't I don't know. My brother's got chickens. I, I don't I, think anybody screws them, though. I don't know where their hole is. I, I mean, the egg's got to come out somewhere, right? It, it does. That it does. That it do, ma'am. That it do. Yeah, I don't I know. Just, I got... It never occurred to me. So the fact that you... That anyone thought... Okay. Let me... Let me just say this. I, I'm not condoning goats and sheep. I can just... <laughs> Those are okay. I can just kind of see They're fluffy. They're fluffier. But if you're going to the chicken level, I've never heard that. All right. On with the show. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know boys are gross, right? I know boys are disgusting, but I just, all boys that fuck chickens are definitely, I just, disgusting. you know, Hey mom and dad, um, I'm going to the hideout. What you doing? Oh, we're going to go just fuck a, a goat. Guys hanging out, playing fucking a goat. spades and, and fucking goats. <laughs> so <laughs> now daddy, Danny's dad had done time in Georgia State Pen for burglary, and they themselves, like the boys, the Trouble Trio, wanted to start their own burglary business. They wanted to start making a little cash on the side. And what better way? Than stealing. Yeah. I mean, it's better than fucking a goat. I'm thinking you could rob people, or you could just charge people to come watch you fuck goats. I don't know. Oh my God, that could have been... Right? Yeah. I feel like that would have been the lesser of the two evils. I know. They already had an audience, apparently. Right. I'm going to charge you a nickel. I don't know. I just whacked my hand on the table. Did you hear that? Yeah. (laughs) Everybody has now heard it. (laughs) You may continue, (laughs) ma'am. So they approached Danny's father and he coached them and gave them advice on when it was best to break into people's houses, which things to steal so they could fence them, you know, for the most money. Because he's a professional. He's a professional. And that business lasted for like a good two years. And they never got caught, I guess. Nope. They take the money they earned and they go to Columbia and or Charleston where, you know, the military bases were. To and think we could have literally been in and place where Pee Wee Gaskins was. Oh, absolutely. We, I would never have known it. You may have known it, but I wouldn't. No, I, yeah. I mean, he, he, they go to the military bases and, you know, they go to the women and get... Which is how, yeah. But, you know, mind you, these they're young. They're like 13. And they're fucking military husbands, wives. wives. Like, yeah. Uh, I guess. I wanna, uh, and that's actually how they lost their virginity. So, I mean, 
but they did this on a regular basis. However, they were dissatisfied with these women because I guess they were in their head whores. And um, and they felt like their time jacking off at the hideout was just as good. Plus, Marsh, like, cornholing the younger boys there. So, I mean, okay, I don't... What the fuck is cornholing? Oh, my God. I had to look it up. Because I, I know, like, the game cornhole, so I was trying to put two and two together, but I'm still getting six, and I need help. Cornholing I... is anal. It's butt-loving. It's some butt-loving. <laughs> I almost chewed the top of this fucking pen off. I don't know if, if they heard this in the mic, but I could hear it grinding on my teeth in my own ears. So they were yeah. fucking each other. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah. He I've never. Okay. Yeah. My it, eyes are watering. Yeah. I never heard of it either. And I was like, okay. Why can't you just uh, say anal? I know. Because like, I learned a new word. I can put it everywhere. Fucking cornholing. Exactly. I'm never going to think of cornholing the same. Thank you. I I oh, haven't. So God. I feel like it's only fair that I share that shit with you. You know, one of the things we did not give our guys is a listener's <laughs> warning. Oh, yeah. No. Listener's I mean, Listener's discretion is advised. If you've gotten this far and you want to move forward... More power to you. I haven't done that in a while. I don't know yeah, why. This one, this one has got, this one's some serious nastiness. Ooh. But, um, so during this time, Pee Wee admits to having felt something inside him wanting to get out. It was what he called bothersome. And he, he would, he'll say this like throughout, like, I'm going to say this throughout the episode. Cause yeah, he had this, what he called bothersome feeling. So the last three guys that we talked about, yes. Kroll, mm-hmm. um, the <clears throat> Carlos from Colombia, oh, not Colombia. Yeah, Charles. Colombia. Charles um, have all said the same thing. There was some point in their life at some time, even like with H.H. Holmes, mm-hmm. where they've, they knew there was this something. was the point. Yep. He, yeah, that he, is so crazy to me. Yeah, and he just said it was stirring inside him, and he didn't know how to address it or make it go away. You know, I mean, he just didn't know what to do. Well, one evening, the trouble trio was out riding around when they decided that they needed to have sex with a real virgin. They hatched a plan which involved telling Marsha's parents that they were going to take Marsha's little sister oh, to the movies for a God. double feature. Which, of course, they actually didn't. Now, Marsha's sister at the time, I think, was 13. And so they were probably 15. I think she was only a couple years younger than them. And they took her to the hideout, held her down, took off her clothes, and violently raped her. And, and Including her brother. I was, yeah, okay. Including her fucking brother. Then they begged her not to tell anyone and promised her money if she kept her mouth shut, to which she finally just was like, okay, fine, shut up. They gave her clothes back to clean herself up, and then they took her to the drive-in and got burgers and an orange crush. So, you know, they at least she got an orange crush out of it. Um, and then they took Marsh and her, his sister home. Well, later that day, Marsh's mom comes barreling up Pee-wee's driveway, snatched his fucking little ass up, and beat the living shit out of him. Because, like she should have, went, you know, the little the girl told her. Went home and, and... all he got was his ass beat? Oh, no, it's not done. She's good. She and Pee-wee, Pee-wee's stepfather, um, came to him, strung him and Marsh upside down in the barn over, like, a joist in the barn. 
hung his fucking ass upside down and beat the living shit out of him until he and Marsha's ass asses were bloody. So imagine being in a fucking barn, you're hanging upside down naked as a jaybird and some lady is, or you know, and your mom, whatever, because it was Marsha's mom and your stepdad beating the shit out of your ass. So he was all bloody. Pee-wee said he was on the verge of passing out from the pain when once again, he realized he had a heart on. Wow. Yep. Fucked up, dude. So the incident was never talked about again, other than for Pee-wee's stepdad to say if that ever fucking happened again, he was going to turn him into the you know police. If, if a group of boys did that to my daughter, oh, they'd that, be dead. Yeah, there they'd would be, be dead. some agonizing. Pain. Oh, I don't care if it was my son or not. I, 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 oh my god, yep, you're going to jail. I'm sorry if you're not dead. Yeah, but um, Danny, on the other hand, had gone home told his dad that Marsha's sister let them have sex with her. And he was worried she'd come back and try to say that the boys raped her. Well, being the outstanding dad that, you know, Danny's dad was, you know, because he helped them with the burglary business, mm-hmm. wasn't having it. And when Marsha's mom showed up in his driveway to address the issue, Danny's dad was holding a shotgun and told Marsha's mom and the dad to get the fuck out of the driveway and not come back or he's going to fucking kill him. Yeah. So the next day, Danny and his father left town to avoid any issues. Good grief. Yeah. So you know what? I didn't, um, and you may have said it. So Danny only lives with his dad. Yeah. Danny did not have a mom. I don't know what, where the mom went, but he only had a a dad and all the boys love Danny's dad because he was so fucking cool. And you know, I'm going to help you steal fucking, shit out of people's houses so they're all shit brains oh yeah oh yeah i mean these are all dysfunctional fucking people but uh peewee was you know really upset then because the troubled trio broke up yeah and so he he tried to keep the burglary business going um with another guy named walt who he had met but unfortunately the business didn't last long because peewee actually got caught burglarizing a house of a girl he knew which i I read also that it was his cousin. He didn't realize it was his cousin's house. But, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I think they were all inbred. I don't fucking know because it, it just, yeah. Anyway, he ended up, like, because he had got went in the window and she came in the back door or something and then surprised him and was like, Pee-wee. And he was like, holy shit. Well, she tried to kick him. Well... He took a fucking hatchet and hit her with it. And Walt, like, was waiting for him around the corner. Yeah. Fucking hauled ass. Hauled ass. So, yeah, she was severely hurt on her arm. And I think it was her back. But um, because he had just fucking beat her with a fucking hatchet. Where they started calling him the little hatchet man, just for (laughs) reference. Well, um, the police nabbed Pee Wee shortly after the hatchet incident. And charged him with assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill. Yeah. It's at this age, Pee-wee finally actually learned his real name. He, until that day where he had to show up in fucking court, and the judge said, Donald Henry Gaskins. And he's like, who the fuck is that? Yep. He had no fucking clue. Oh, wow. He had no fucking clue. 
So he was promptly thrown into the state reformatory until the age of 18. So I guess he was maybe about 13. Maybe Marsha's sister was a little bit younger Younger. than that because he was 13 when he went to the reformatory. So Yeah, that's terrible. Yep. Well, he... It's basically just a, you know, yeah, school so for boys. This is like the, the hideout on steroids. steroids. Jinx. Jinx. You owe me a Coke. God, I hate you. <laughs> and yeah, it is. It is. It's it's just basically, it, it didn't have any guards or anything. So it wasn't like it was jail. It's fucking, it's, but it's a goddamn it's a, summer school or yeah, summer camp. It's like a fraternity, whatever. Oh. But, you know, it really wasn't for him. He Remember, he's really, really small. And they were, like, in dorms. And the boys were assigned to classes like, you know, carpentry and mechanics. You know, something to teach them a fucking trade so that they don't all get out, you know, degenerates. Well, the hope was that they would not become degenerates, let me say. But I think most of them may have. But um, Pee Wee, due to his size and the fact that he was, you know, fresh meat, so to speak, was gang raped regularly and became a bitch to a bigger boy named Poss. I was about, before you even said that, I was about to say, I hope they fucked him so, I hope oh, they yeah. cornholed him a lot. Yeah, so he was actually, it's more appropriate. yeah, there was like 20 boys that had jumped on top of him and they each took turns, you know, Ooh. gang raping him. Yep. Eventually though, Pee Wee became what was considered Posse's right-hand man. But he'd still trade Pee-wee off to some of the other boys, which Pee-wee hated, so he started making plans to escape. So on Sunday, on a Sunday after his mother had come to visit him, because his mom, apparently, this is, you know, how she felt like she could be a good mom. She would come and visit him, bring him, like, fucking fried chicken and dumplings and some shit. Sneak a file in. Yeah. So he, um, on that Sunday... He made his escape and sent and spent two days like trucking to the hideout. Oh, the next morning, the Florence County Sheriff's Department found him and took him back to the reformatory school. Pee Wee was then beat and put in hard labor isolation for three months. When he was back in Pasa's dorm, he was again traded to other boys and gang raped, and he was just ready to make another break for it, which I can't blame him. If I'm getting fucking cornholed, <laughs> I'm just going to use that every time, um, you know, and, and being traded off to other men, boys. I mean, give me a break. You know, that shit's got to hurt. I mean, up to a point, right? I guess at some point you don't feel anything. I if guess. There's 20, there's 20, 20 boys. boys. We're talking about teenager males. Yeah. So my... Yeah. Brother that lived with me used to take like an hour and a half shower. So Ew, I, yeah, I don't. Boys, yeah. right? I'm going to vomit. <laughs> I'm going to vomit. So, that's, <laughs> like, there's not enough time in the day for 20 boys to pass you around. I'm telling you, that's exactly <laughs> what the fuck happened. I'm like, I know. Each taking an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, he escapes. So it have been terrible. Yeah, no, absolutely. So he escapes again. He ends up staying with his aunt, who convinced him to turn himself in. He had, she had, supposedly, he was actually um, related to a deputy mm. and came over and was like, hey, son, let's, you know, turn yourself in, Just do the out. right thing. Let's, yeah, do the right thing. 
Well, the superintendent, when he finally turned himself back in, offered Pee Wee a deal that he wouldn't that he d- wouldn't receive any lashes and only thirty hard days labor isolation. You know, mm-hmm. if he came back, but he didn't get it in writing, and they fucking lied, of course. And he was once again beat every night, and they refused to let him go to the infirmary, um, infirmary for the beatings. So one night. He complained to the night officer and begged him, you know, to let him go to the infirmary. Infirmary, mm-hmm. um, Of course, he wouldn't let him go. So Pee Wee just fucking attacked him. <laughs> fucking just attacked him. Next morning, the officers took Pee Wee to the mental hospital on Bull Street, which we all know. My mom worked there. Yeah. it's And just, you guys, there's the, there was an old, it's an old, old, old building and it's, the mental hospital for South Carolina until they closed it probably about 10 years ago. And now it's like, uh, you can go in and rent. They're kind of rebuilding it. And so yes. they have office spaces. Yeah. I wouldn't go in there and I mean, I'd love to go in there. I've been, I've been in there. Is it not creepy as shit? Uh-uh, it wasn't to me. It's, it's it. When Ryan first became a cop, he worked for a, like a security firm sort of and one of his jobs was to yeah basically walk around the mental hospital grounds because homeless and you know crack addicts they they would like to go and because it was abandoned so they would try to you know oh take up place abandoned he would Mm -hmm. okay yeah i can see that yep and and so yeah he he says a little creepy because it's really not like the best area no, I mean it is better. They've they're making it really nice, but yeah, it's yeah. just it's a but super it, creepy it was, place. It was a yeah mental institute, and it, they handled you know they're all stages, but there were man the the level of crazy mental illness yeah that was there is for for people like you and I mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable. Oh, that, I bet that there are people that really suffer like that. Yeah. Oh no, it's horrible, and so. I mean. I mean, just from mental illness. I don't mean. Yes. I don't mean like abuse or anything. I'm not oh, trying yeah, yeah. to say mm-hmm. anything. I mean, just from like the fact that people suffer really think that they're mm-hmm. you know a king from the 1600s or something. Nigeria. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I made myself choke. Well. Um, so he, he's in Bull Street. I lost I lost where I was. But yeah, he he is in Bull Street, um, the mental hospital. And he actually spent five weeks locked in solitary confinement Only there. the safest he's ever been. Yep. And he spoke to a nurse and a doctor where he told the doctor he was, you know, being beat, traded to other boys, and, and had been scheduled to go talk to this doctor again because I think he was kind of exposing. Yeah. The, you know, the horrible, you know, unlivable situation to somebody. Well, unfortunately, the next night, his appendix ruptured and he was taken to the hospital and then promptly back to the reformatory because paperwork got mixed up. Oh, my God. Yep. And he was kept on light duty for three months at the reformatory. And then it it was time for him to go back to work. Like they were like, OK, you got to go back to hard labor. Well, he escaped again. Pee-wee looked up 
Paz. So by now, like this is the third time he's escaped. And Paz is gone. Paz is gone. Paz is you know done graduated or whatever the fuck he did, and um, he actually worked with the carnival. And so, and, and in Florida. I'm just not shocked at all. Yeah. By this information. <laughs> yeah, he was the carny. Well, and and you know, with the carnival because it's moving around so much all the time, you can stay hidden. You yeah. know, you can stay, you know, lay low. Yeah. Well, Pee Wee goes to Pasta's uncle's house for a time, and he basically just helps set up and take down at the carnival. And then during this time, he met his first wife, Mary, who, uh, she was only 13. And so we're, I'm assuming he's 18. He's almost he's 18. Out. Okay. No, well, he's not out. He escaped. So the third oh, time, okay. he had escaped. So he wasn't quite 18 and, but Mary was 13. Okay. And she just, she told him she refused to be married to a man on the run. So he agreed to turn himself in after they got married. Yep. So they got married on January 22nd, 1951. They spent one night together and then he turned himself in the next day. And then he spent the next three months in the, in like an isolation cell. In there, it's where he learned how to read and how locks work. Mm. And he'd let, he'd actually let out the whole cell and, you know, they'd all be hanging out around when the guards weren't there. And then the guards would be like, what the fuck are you guys doing out? And they'd say, well, Pee-wee let us out. So it was then that the superintendent let Pee-wee out of isolation for the rest of his sentence if he would agree to stop letting everyone out of their cells and actually teach him how he, how he got out. Yeah. And this time he got it in writing. Good for him. I guess. Yeah. Well, at 18, Pee-wee was finally released, and he went out to look for work. He and Mary moved from Florence County to Georgetown County, which is actually towards more towards Myrtle Beach. Yeah. And lived with relatives, and it was her relatives. And he and Mary found work on some tobacco farms, and um, which you know, I, my grandparents had a tobacco farm like in Ohio and I don't know if you've ever been around tobacco farm, but I mean, you're, you're picking leaves and you're, you know, they got to be dried out. And it's, I mean, it's not like it's hard labor. I mean, it's, it's, I'd it's shitty labor. Farm is hard. Oh yeah, no doubt. But in addition to working on the farm, Pee Wee and his boss, so the guy that hired him would go around to other farms, steal all the good tobacco and then burn down the barns. So, Pee-wee would get money on the side for helping his boss burn down these barns. And, you know, for him, money just kept rolling in. Yeah. Because he's making, Mary and him are both working. And then on the side, he's burning these barns down. Well, on April 17th, 1952, Pee-wee's daughter, Shirley, was born. Pee-wee continued to work on the tobacco farms, but escalated to burning warehouses at this point. So he's like raking in a thousand dollars for just like one job, which during that time, like the fifties, like a thousand dollars, that's a, that's a good chunk of change. Well, the purpose for burning the barns and the warehouses was to get insurance money because they were all insured, you know, and the insurance company is going to write off these, these, you know, fires. Well, also the federal government was going to pay for the crop loss because they were, you know, farms were, I guess, part of the federal, the FDA or whatever they were. And so they were getting, 
that money. And then they were actually, they didn't burn the crop because they were selling the tobacco, the good good shit at auctions. So, and they held that shit across state lines and then they would sell, you know, those to farmers who were in on the scam. Yeah. So they were, oh my God, they were raking in fucking, oh. Well, eventually, because all good things come to an end, the police finally came knocking on Pee-wee's door on Monday morning before daybreak. But they weren't actually looking for him. They were looking for his boss because his wife was found dead, and they were looking at him for the crime. So Pee-wee's wife or the boss's wife? The boss's wife. So just for knowledge, the guy's name was Slick. I just didn't find that, like, yeah, it just was stupid. I didn't like his name, so I left it out. Well, anyway, yeah, they found Slick's wife dead, and they were going to try and pin it on Slick. Yeah. Well, um, Pee-wee, you know, was never really questioned about the burnings or anything, and he wasn't sent to jail. He didn't know where his boss was. And so he, you know, he was able to stay out of jail for a short period of time. When one day working on a farm... Two teenage girls were supposedly making fun of him and said, Pee-wee, one of them said, Pee-wee, you ain't even good enough to kiss my ass. Well, that didn't sit well with Pee-wee. Kind of pissed him off. And he swung a ball-peen hammer and hit her, like, behind her right ear and then smacked her again. And then on top of that, he hit her on the head and then she just fell to the floor like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Wasn't moving. And while she was down, he then, for good measure, kicked her in the face. Oh, God. Her friend that was with her ran like hell, and then Pee-wee fucking panicked. Because, obviously, he knew what he had done was wrong. He knew he couldn't go home to his wife, so he had to get the fuck out of Dodge. So he hops in a truck, which was not his, his hauls ass toward a town called Johnsonville, which is not far from his hometown, and made his way through the woods to an American Legion building. So it was like this little hut. Yeah. Well, he stayed there for a couple of nights, and then to show his appreciation for staying there, he lit that fucking place on fire and made his way through the woods to a deserted like tenant shack where the police finally caught up with him. Pee-wee was then charged with attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon. With intent to inflict grave bodily harm and arson, they tacked that on for the American Legion building. So the girl lived. Attempted murder. Yeah, she was bad off. She was fucking bad off. She was in the hospital for a long, I've, on the long time. I, would but, I wonder if she ever 100%, like a ball, a ball pin hammer to the back of yeah. your, behind your ear, kicked in the face, and then smashed your head. On, on the, uh, yeah, on top. Well, yeah, they hit the hammer on her head, too. Yeah. So. Um, and he was, I told you, he was a little angry little fucker. Well, he... His childhood really wasn't all that bad. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, he was actually acquitted of the arson charges because they couldn't really prove. That but he actually 100% Was it. the one that did it. Yeah. But the prosecu- prosecutor offered him a deal on the charges, like the other charges, and said that if he pled guilty to the lesser charge of assault and battery, the state would drop the attempted murder and attempt to kill charges which he thought was fucking awesome. He was like, I, well, he agreed, but didn't seal the deal in writing. This guy's got the, like, the retention a, of a fucking fly. He's an idiot. Yeah, he's a complete idiot. 
So no offense to the flies. And so when he gets to court and the judge says, how do you plead? He says guilty. Well, yep. The state sentenced him to five years in the state penitentiary. But you know where the state penitentiary was, right? Yeah. Down the street Mm -hmm. from my office. Uh, Down the street from the, from the mental facility as well. On the street. Yeah. Yep. Which is also shut down. Yep. So it was. They turned that into townhouses, didn't they? Sure did. Yep. Well, in jail, Pee Wee learned the ranks and, or we'll call them tiers. You know, it's basically the fucking pecking order yeah. of the penitentiary. And I've never been in jail. And God, I'm sorry for anybody that has been in jail, but I'm sure you get there and it's like whole fucking well, new ball of wax. We're, we're not talking about like one night stay at the at this county jail, right? We're talking about like prison. We are talking prison. We're not yes. we're not talking about like you yeah, no, we're talking state prison. Yeah, we're talking about legit jail time people. Correct. Right. Because I, I doubt you're gonna spend one night in jail and they'll be like, All right. Oh yeah, you can figure figure out the pecking order there. Yeah, no, no, no. Suck my dick. You suck your own dick. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. Well, and when he's there, he learns that the like older inmates have a lot of clout and they basically get whatever they want from the guards. I mean, that's from help with the guards. And the guards, this one person, this one man, wants Pee-wee because he's fresh meat and he's petite and he's got his eye on him. So the guards transfer him to another inmate's cell, cell by the name of Arthur, who was one of the most powerful men there. And he had been there for a while. Well, Arthur basically does not give two shits about Pee-wee. So when he gets there, he punches Pee-wee in the fucking throat, tells him to fucking strip kicks him in the balls and beats the hell out of him and then rapes him. And then afterward makes him click Arthur clean. Yeah. I think I would just let you kick my ass for a while. I don't know that I'm, well, I don't know. Then I guess I probably just get an ass beating and still have to do whatever, whatever you did. Exactly. Lick my fucking ass clean. Absolutely. (laughs) It's all about power, man. All about power. Well, Pee Wee (laughs) learns that the, stop, stop gagging. (laughs) She's got a gag reflex, fellas. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. You... <laughs> Go ahead. Zoom. So... <laughs> oh, my God. This is <laughs> XX rated. Right. <laughs> it is. It was pretty funny, though. Well, um, Pee Wee learns from Arthur that the meanest man in the prison is a man by the name of Hazel... Brazzle. And imagine that name. And Pee-wee, he he's he's hatching a plan. Mm-hmm. He he's like, mm, you know what, I can gain some clout and be a power man if I take this dude down. So he hatches a plan and steals a knife from the kitchen, walks over to Brazzle's cell and offers him an orange crush and a ham sandwich. Now Brazzle isn't just sitting there like by himself like you've got like free time right after dinner and so they do actually let the inmates mingle and that kind of bullshit well he's got some dudes on the side looking out for him mm-hmm. like outside of his cell so not just anybody can walk in well you know peewee says hey um arthur sent me over with a ham sandwich and this orange crush so the little dude on the outside says yeah come on in well, Brazzle is sitting on the fucking toilet. Nice. Yep. He's sitting on the toilet, and he's reading a magazine. Well, Pee-wee says, hey, Arthur, um, 
wants to give me this ham sandwich and orange crush. And um, so the guy's like, well, that's cool. Leave it, leave it sitting right there. Well, Pee Wee's just standing there staring at him because the fucker's on the toilet. Yeah. Well, the guy's like, what the fuck? Well, with that, Pee Wee takes a knife and jabs it in the man's jugular vein and then sliced toward his Adam's apple and then twisted it like deep in his fucking artery. Of course, Pee Wee gets in a lot of fucking trouble for this, but he received the much needed clout he wanted you know, within the prison system. And he helped take out a fucking horrible dude. So the guards were not really that, you know, they weren't that upset. The state really wasn't that fucking pissed off. Yep. So he was actually ordered to stay in solitary confinement for six weeks. But then he got out, he had, you know, his own boy. (laughs) And he was quote unquote somebody in the pecking order. So he got fresh meat. He got what he wanted because he was now a power man. And a power bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He I'm got a, he got his own power bottom. Yes. He, yeah. Yeah. So Pee Wee's kind of satisfied with his life in the pen. You know, it's not bad. He's learned how to, you know, make himself somebody there. And, you know, in, in the middle of 1955, though, things change. He's upset because Mary files for divorce. She's just done. She was like, I'm not going to be with this stupid fucker. Which I can't blame her. I would have divorced him a long time ago. So shortly after finding this out, he's like, I, I got to escape. Because he just, he he wants to, he didn't want to try and find her and kill her or anything. Because he really did love her. But he's, you know, he he's upset that his wife's leaving him. Well, he escapes. He, um, actually, it's kind of an interesting way of escaping. But they had these big giant aluminum barrels where they took the trash out well he drills and he has you know some people on the inside and his boys help him they drill three holes inside of the garbage drums and he's got you know one inch holes in the drum two in the lid for air and then one on the side so he could look out and see if guard or anybody you know got in the back of the truck well peewee slips right through the gate Nobody notices because the guards who let them out only check a couple of the drums and they don't check all of them because the guards are in on it. Well, they help him out. And once he's given the signal, you know, by the truck driver, Pee Wee pops the lid off the metal drum and hoists himself out and, you know, stretches legs and then jumps off the rear of the truck. The driver didn't wait soon after, you know, he saw Pee-wee in the rear view mirror. The dude was off. Yeah. So Pee-wee ended up going to Lake City, which is another small town in South Carolina. And he steals one of his cousin's cars. And, and his cousin's name is David Gaskins. And he owned a pep- and the Peppermint gas station. And so he steals this car. And he ends up a week later in Lake Wales, Florida. Because he's once again looking to be part of the carnival. And looking for his old buddy, Poss. Mm. Yep. Well, he remembered that Poss's family was, you know, part of the the carnival. And so he, he knew he could just hide once again, you know, jumping from town to town. And, excuse me, um, he hooks up with Poss and then they start traveling. He works the Ferris wheel and then the octopus ride when the owner was not too drunk to operate it. 
Wow. So isn't that, you learned a skill. Um, I don't know about the octopus brain, though. I don't don't know anything about that. Well, while in the carnival, Pee Wee actually got to know the owner of the girly show, which he and the owner of the girly show bought and sold guns as a sideline. The girly show, meaning like a... Yeah. Strip club, I guess. Or yeah. Well, yeah, because was back it part of the fair at that time. Yeah, that part was... of the, yeah part. Yes, yeah. yes, part of the carnival. There were the girly shows, and then they wore, you know, yeah, the I guess the so we, shit and take your clothes off. My head is the um, American Horror Story carnival yeah. season. I'm like, yep. <laughs> right? it's just. I mean, it's I don't. Not, yeah. not as like. Yeah, it's not as crazy, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if. Back then, you know, they had the bearded lady. They had lobster claw. Yeah, they had probably donkey shows. You know, I don't know. I could be wrong, but Kiwi himself was a like a carnival show. Like, yeah, <laughs> you saw his picture. God, he looks like a fucking carnival dude. Well, anyway, so he's he's learning how to rebuild weapons, and they're actually making you know good money on the side by, you know, getting these guns, stripping them. And then rebuilding them and selling them. Well, every once in a while, his brother, this is Pasta's brother, would be picked up um, and and like bring in a car. Mm. And so Pee Wee started stripping cars and, you know, following them down to the chassis and then rebuilding them. Because again, remember, he was good at with mechanics. Yeah. And so he started stripping and rebuilding the cars as well. Well, while visiting Pasta's wife one like week in Lake Wales, Pee Wee meets a woman. They introduce Pasta's wife introduces him to a woman named Junie, who he decided to ditch the carnival for and leave like and go be with her. Well they got married, stayed together two weeks before Pee Wee ran out of money and got tired of her and went back to the carnival life. So this is now his second wife. And he wasn't technically divorced. Oh, no, she filed for divorce. She filed yeah. for divorce. But, yeah, he, he leaves this fucking bitch, and she's like, he, he goes back. Well, and then he never saw her again. Well, when Pee Wee got to the carnival, he met and started spending a lot of time with the girly show dancers. One in particular named Zena from Zanzibar. Can you picture her? Uh, no. Well, come on. Zena? Oh, Zena? From Zanzibar. Is it, you're stupid. <laughs> and, but her real name, guys, was uh, Helen McCoy. That's at least that's what he told. That's what she told him. Well, it turns out not to be true either. But we'll get there in a few minutes. For now, we're gonna go. We're just gonna call her Helen. And she was actually a contortionist. There it is. Yeah. So she could have sex in all kinds of positions, all kinds of positions. I don't know what the favorite was, but he just said it was all kinds of positions. He was so hot for her that when she said that she needed to leave the carnival for a few weeks and go to Tennessee to see her brother about a family emergency, he went, no questions asked. So they went off in a car that Pee Wee had stole, remember, his his cousin's car, um, to Cookville, Tennessee. On the road, Helen finally told him her real name was Betty Jean Gates. And... Kiwi wasn't the only one that was actually really hot for her because she was wanted by the police in five fucking states. Oh, God. Yes. Forgery and larceny after trust in Tennessee and West Virginia. 
Forgery and Grand Theft Auto in Kentucky, Forgery and Armed Assault in Ohio, and then Forgery, Grand Larceny, bur- Burglary, <laughs> and Escape in, in Virginia. So, I mean, the girl's got some fucking talents. And she's a co- contortionist. And... Oh, no doubt. What? No doubt. She go, had, You go, ba- Betty Jean. Yeah, she had a fucking resume for show. Well, they get to Cookville. They check into a motel. Betty Jean pulled out a carton of cigarettes and some money out of her suitcase and asked Pee Wee to take them four blocks up the street to her brother at the Putnam County Jail. Well, she's not very smart. Well, she's a fucking moron, but we'll see. You'll see here in a minute. The money was for his bail and the cigarettes were for him to smoke, obviously. Well, Pee Wee, you know, has his own issues with the law, so... He wasn't really wanting to go, but Betty Jean persuaded him with, you know, her ability to offer sex in some very precarious, you know, situations and positions. So he agrees and he goes to the jail. And off they go. And off they go. And let's see where this shit show takes us. Oh, yes, it's fabulous. Well, he notices when he gets to the jail that Betty and her brother really don't look alike. They don't. Do do they. Are they. Are they touchy feely? Like, do they, do well, they really she's not there. She's oh. not there. Remember, because she's afraid because she's going to get nabbed because she's got all these warrants. Well, you know, he goes. He's like, God, they really don't look like each other. But you know, all right. He doesn't think much about it. He drops off the stuff and comes back to the motel. Well, when he comes back to the motel, he <laughs> sees his car's gone, and thought, okay, well, maybe she went to go get supplies, and you know, or something. He doesn't know. He's not going to really worry about it. Yeah. Well, until he walks in, he sees all her shit's gone. Pee-wee, of course, is pissed, but was so tired from driving straight through that he thought, fuck her, I'm not going to stress about it, and I'm just, you know, I'm just a little bit irritated now that I have to go steal another fucking car. Yeah. Well, just before dawn, after he had fallen asleep, the door busted open to the motel room, and he found himself staring at a room full of police officers. He's cuffed and thrown in the back of a police car and then taken straight to the county jail. Turns out that the carton of Pall Malls that he gave her brother, Betty Jean's brother, had a razor blade taped between the layers of the packs of cigarettes. And just after midnight, Betty Jean's brother, who it turned out was actually her husband, pulled the razor out on the night guard and got the jail keys and escaped. So she was kind of smart. Yeah. He was kind of fucking stupid. Dumb. Fucking dumbass. Well, Pee Wee didn't help his own cause because if you remember, he and Betty came to Tennessee in that stolen car. And that was his cousin's. So when the police asked him his name, he says, my name is David Gaskins. And Betty stole his license, so he didn't have an ID, he didn't have a wallet, so he couldn't prove that he was David Gaskins. And, you know, he starts telling them, you know, how Betty Jean set him up and then stole his car. He gives the police a description of the car and the license plate number, and they put him in a holding cell and send him some food so that, you know, they were going to let him go as soon as they got some paperwork done. Well, a little later, police tell Pee-wee they've located his car at a bus depot down about 35 miles away and that they've sent for it and would release him and would let him know when it was back and he could leave. 
Well, Pee-wee's luck ran out. When the police came back with his clothes, because they went to the motel, they got Pee-wee's yeah. clothes, they gave him to him. Well, he gets up to put his jacket on, and the sheriff knocks the living shit out of him. And, you know, like with a roundhouse punch. Yeah. Turns out, when the police found and searched the car, they found the registration which registered to, you know, David Gaskins, which is what he said. But the certificate was for South Carolina, not Florida plates that were on the car. And the address on the registration was for Lake City, South Carolina, and not Lake City, Florida, which is where he told Pee-wee, or where Pee-wee said he lived. Police began to connect the dots really quick and called the police in South Carolina and found out that a Donald Henry Gaskins, Pee-wee, was wanted for escape, where he was serving a sentence for assault and murder. How did they figure out that he was Pee-wee? Assault and murder or assault and attempted murder? I'm sorry, assault and attempted murder. My bad, sorry. We're good. Yep. I was wondering, what the fuck did I miss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Well... If we're wondering how they knew he was Pee-wee, well, the dumbass had gotten his name tattooed, Pee-wee, on his fucking shoulder. Okay, so I feel like this is a coaching moment. Yeah. So what would we not do? We do not tattoo our own fucking names on our own body. Or your fucking nickname. Or your boyfriend or girlfriend's name. Hmm. So I feel like I just wanted to throw that in there. That should be, I I mean, Boyfriend's names, girlfriend's names, whatever. Yeah, because that's Samantha. May not be Samantha. It's going to end up being Sam. Alexis may not be Alexis. Matha. You're going to have to figure some way to get out of that shit. Yeah, whoever. And it, and it, it never turns out well. Yeah. It doesn't. Never put ever. a name. Ever, ever. Ever, ever, ever. Don't get that bitch's name tattooed around your ring finger. None of that dumb shit. That shit's going to hurt, too. Ooh. Anyway, well, Pee Wee is, you know, locked up on the account of the escape warrant, and then charged with helping Betty Jean's husband escape. The state of Tennessee extradites Pee-wee back to the state of South Carolina, where he was put in a maximum security unit, where he was still considered, you know, a power man, Mm -hmm. because he had killed old badass Brazzle. But during this stint in lockup, Pee-wee learned to read um, books. And they were, you know, the only thing he was really allowed to have. And he had never really learned to read before. So he starts reading. And he said that books were really the only thing that kept him from going completely, you know, insane during his time in the maximum maximum security unit. Well, one lucky day, if you could call this lucky, the FBI saved him from having to serve out the rest of his sentence in the South Carolina pen. Because Pee-wee had stolen the car, his cousin's car, and took it over the state lines, he was charged with interstate auto theft. Which, at that, uh, you little children know you can't do and take anything over state lines because then the FBI gets involved. Well, he was taken from the maximum security unit to the Richland County Jail, which is in Columbia, South Carolina, until he could be tried in federal court. Which is a small jail. Yeah, it's a yeah. Richland County Jail, guys, is, is pretty it's, small. It's like a. It's not it's Andy not, Griffith it's, small. It's not, no, no, but it's not. It's not a prison. It's not. A, it's not. Uh, yeah. No. It's not the pen. So he. It is not. He's probably on Easy Street for a little bit. Yeah, no, it's um, Broad River. But I think it, during this time it was somewhere else. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's in Columbia. It's, it's, it was a little place. Well, he gets tried and he's convicted to three years in the Atlanta federal prison okay, for car theft. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the judge agrees to have the federal sentence run concurrent with the remaining time he still had in the South Carolina prison. And upon completion, he would just be released. He could go. Well, Pee Wee actually enjoys his stay in the federal penitentiary. Inmates stayed in line. There, you know, no one belonged to anyone. They weren't traded. There were still power men, though. But the difference was that you were on the street. Like whatever you did on the street determined your own power inside. Oh, yep, yep. So the biggest power man in the federal prison was Mister Frank Costello, and I'm going to give you like two guesses what that motherfucker did. Yeah. So he was in an eight-man cell. Like all the other men. So Pee-wee's in an eight-man cell. Now this Mr. Frank Costello, and I don't really spell it out, but this guy's in the mob. I mean, Costello. Yeah. So he's in an eight-man cell like the other men, but he only had to share it with two other men, which had been lieutenants in the Genovese. Yeah, Gen- Genovese. Genovese. Something like that. Family. It's a crime family in New York. And um, they were charged with Costello for conspiracy charges. So they were all in there for conspiracy. Well, PB was in a cell with four New York men who were also convicted with Costello, but they were really, really, really nice to Pee-wee. They treated him like they were best friends and took him to meet Costello, who Costello actually knew all about Pee-wee. He had done some research. So while Pee-wee held a lot of jobs during his stints in prison, which educated him about many different things, his real education, he said, what he called his college education, came in the form of talks with his New York cellmates while they played cards in the cell or walked in the yard. They, Pee-wee actually called these little guys his professors. So they I, taught him. I, my credit score just <clears throat> went down. Having heard that, I just want you to know. Your credit my score. My fucking credit score just dropped like 10 points. <laughs> so they taught him things like the toughest and the smartest of the men were called wise guys, which Pee Wee then called them and, and, you know, coined them as the three wise men, which fucking cracks me up every time I read that. But yeah, he's, he's the wise man. So they left, when they actually left Pee-wee, they gave him a big hug and an address on Elizabeth Street in New York. They also offered Pee-wee a job when he got out because they said that a man like Pee-wee could rise fast working with them since he had already made his bones. And he was, you know, which qualified him even more for the job. Several months later, Pee-wee received a package from them. It was in an English to Italian dictionary, which had three $100 bills taped to the inside pages and a copy of the same, that same Elizabeth Street address and telephone number for him to call when he got out. And on August 6, 1961, Pee-wee was released from the federal prison and given a ticket to go back home to Florence County. Had he only called the three wise men, we may not be having this episode right now. Dude, I don't but care what he did happens. not. Like the most exciting thing that's gonna happen to you is like what's what's behind door number three? I'm calling the three wise men. Right? Yeah. No, this motherfucker goes back to Florence County to dirt floor poor, nothing and no wives. I, well, he's I got a I wife. Be but, a carny, mama. Yeah, he wants to be a Connie. Well, Pee-wee at this time is 28 years old, 
and working on his mama and stepdad's tobacco farm in Prospect. Mm -hmm. He was tired of dealing with his stepfather's bullshit because he was just ragging his ass and riding his fucking ass. And he just didn't want to upset his mother because I think he thought he was just, if he was going to explode and like beat the shit out of his stepdad and his mom actually loved his stepfather. So he was like, I got to get the fuck out. So he went looking for his carnival buddy, Poss. Well, let's see. Three wise men that treated me really nice or the dude that fucked me in the ass. Really, I know. I think I'm going to go with the guy who fucked me in the butt. Yeah. Um, cornhole and <laughs> the great cornhole. Cornhole was that almost a jinx? It was not quite though. Not quite. We were we were a beat off. So he goes um, out looking for Poss and back to the carnival. Well, now that he's free, he could go do whatever he wanted, including spending all his nights hanging around them their honky tonks, looking for something better. And if you people don't know what a honky tonk is, I can't help you. But a honky-tonk is where honky-tonk women are. And honky-tonk women like to have sex, drink beer, and smoke. So here's what I like to compare a honky-tonk to, and I'm about to piss a lot of people off. Um, um, have you ever heard of a lot lizard? A lot lizard. <laughs> I just, just, love that. Just imagine yes. that area. Yes. And just put some, honky put some country music right in there. I do love a country music song though, so let me just. Oh, I do too. I don't like the lot lizards though. They yeah. Yeah, but that's they what spread I think some about. diseases. I mean, when you say honky tonk. And yeah, if, gentlemen, ladies, if you don't know what a lot lizard is, look it up. Google it. Google it. Google it, B. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it doesn't take him long to make some good connections for fencing stolen property back to his old ways. Um, so he took up breaking entering again. Them, them there honky-donk women knew exactly who to call in. So one day, while picking up some extra work at the gas station near Leo, Reverend George E. Todd brought in his van-type truck for, like, a tune-up. Because... Okay, well, you can't say fucking van-type truck. Well, it was like a van-type truck. But what the... I don't know. That's It's, it's a van-type truck. This is why men don't listen to us right here. Okay, it's a van, but it looked like a truck? I don't know. <laughs> It's van like truck. I got nothing. I'm just repeating what I read. Gosh, my head is about to pop off of my shoulders. But please continue. <laughs> so anyway, um, the Reverend Todd, who actually lived up the street from his mom and dad, his mom and stepdaddy, um, asked him, hey, Pee-wee, you want a job? Well, Pee-wee's like, hell yeah. So the Reverend goes up and down the coast. From north of Myrtle Beach to, like, south of Charleston, and sometimes Savannah, stopping at towns preaching and selling all kinds of things that store owners and just folks donated, you know, to his ministry. So whatever he actually made from selling this stuff, the reverend, he, it was full profit for him. Well, the preacher drew large crowds with his loud, powerful, you know, fire and brimstone shit. So he's got all kind of fucking people from the town, you know, listening to his, uh, you know, we're all going to hell statements, whatever you call that, sermons. Well, Pee Wee would help the preacher set up. And then after the service, Pee Wee would sell the things for the preacher out of the back of his van. So it was, you know. It was a nice little gig. Yeah, he had a nice little gig there. but And it wasn't stolen property. This was, you know, shit that the reverend had. It was like had. legit. Yeah, it was legit. Now, and it was with a man of God. It, it was God. 
Well, golly, he was gowled. Well, I want to make perfectly clear that like the reverend had no fucking clue what Pee Wee was actually doing, which was breaking into people's houses and stealing goods and then fencing them off to some people that he knew while the, you know, they were traveling town to town. So he was, you know, casing out these places during the day, stealing some shit, selling it to, you know, Billy Joe Bob, who would then sell it at the fucking flea market or wherever fucking else for, you know, more money. Well, Pee Wee stated that he never sold any of the things out of the back, that he stole out of the back of the preacher's van. He just fenced them through some two dumbasses in Sumter County. When I thought it could get no worse. I know. Sumter County. Then we went to Sumter. Then it went to Sumter. Sumter. Well, during this time, Pee Wee was still going to honky tonks, looking to get laid. So in 1962, guess what this fucker does again? Does he get married? He gets married again. Is that always you got a pretty mouth yep he gets married to a chick named jerry dolores fine female name and at 18 this chick's 18 and he met her oh yeah met her at a a, um hardware store where she worked and by peewee standards she was a little bit too old for him but you know she was at least of age, so there couldn't right. be any, you know, shit going on. Well, he enjoyed being with his new wife, but admitted that he would usually get really restless and leave after a few days. It was around the this time the newlyweds, or I'm sorry, it was around the newlywed phase, sorry. And two years after um, he was working with the preacher, that Pee Wee's sexual urges got him in trouble. So I'm going to tell this story, and if you guys have any aversion to, you know, child rapings, you might want to sign off. I mean, I feel like we're past this point now. But I'm going to tell it. So he knows this little girl named Patsy, her almost her, her, her whole life, which at this point was a mere 12 years old. So how does he know her the whole Well, they live in small towns, dude. They live in Florence. Family. No, but he know, he's known this little girl her whole life. She lived close to Pee-wee's mother and stepfather, and every time Pee-wee saw her, he'd get what he'd say all sexually excited. He had a hard-on for her, you know, and this poor little fucking girl's only 12. Well, one day when Pee-wee's wife was gone, he walked over to Patsy's house knowing she was home alone and then knocked on the door. Being the gentleman that he was, he goes in, he starts talking to her about how many women he had had sex with, and then how he had, you know, chopped a girl with a hatchet. Well... You know, this poor little 12-year-old girl is, you know, scared as shit, as I would have been. I would have been, like, freaking out, crying. Well, he, you know, puts his hand on her shoulder and guides her to the bedroom and told her to take off her clothes and lie down and spread her legs. Well, little girl, terrified because, you know, you've got this creepy fucking dude in your house telling you to take your clothes off, does it. She lays down, and he rapes her. But being only 12, she got the sheets all fucking bloody Mm -hmm. because this was her first fucking time. When Pee Wee was trying to clean things up, he heard her aunts drive up, and he made Patsy get dressed, and then he forces her out of a window, and they both ran cross-country to Pee Wee's mother's house, which is not far. Well, 
Fortunately, the ants had come in. They figured, they saw the blood on the sheets, and they figured out what the fuck had happened. And they called the police. Well, they must have immediately knew, you know, Pee Wee was fucking creepy because they, they named him as the, you know, uh, suspect. Well, Pee Wee is at his home, his mother's home, in his room, and he's trying to hide this poor girl behind like a chiffon robe. Well, his stepdad walks the police upstairs and they see this poor little girl like hiding behind this robe. And the cops grab him. They throw him in the county jail and charge him with statutory, statutory dra- drape. Yeah, drape. It was horrible. <laughs> statutory rape. <laughs> and carnal knowledge of a 12-year-old. God. So, of course, you know, this poor girl has to live with the fact that this dumbass rapes her. I mean, and Pee Wee Gaskins. I know. It's not like it was George Clooney. Right? Mm. I know, Pee Wee Gatskins, a nasty little fucking little, he looks like a little badger. Yeah. You know, and that that fucking thing, badger don't give a shit. He really didn't fucking give a shit. Well, sadly though for Patsy, you know, but lucky again for Pee Wee, when the police uncuffed this motherfucker in the defendant's waiting room in the courthouse, (laughs) Pee Wee sees a window, it's got no bars on it. And this motherfucker jumps out the fucking window. Two-story window. Jumps out of the window with shoes and clothes. I told you, the man only weighed about 120 pounds. Yeah. He could have he flown out that fucking window. <laughs> like, like a little a bird. butterfly just flying right out of here. Right. Well, when he hits the ground, he gets some bruises and whatnot. Well, he steals a car and drives straight to his mother's house. And no, you know, knowing that he, or she and his stepdad were at his arraignment. So, goes home, runs upstairs, takes his wallet and cash, packed a zipper bag with clothes, and was gone, you know, in less than fucking five minutes. Right. Knowing the cops were going to start searching, he drives the car that he stole out past Prospect, left it in a drainage ditch in like three feet of water, and then headed along the back roads toward a town named Dillon, which... Yeah. Again, all, guys, these, these are tiny towns. These guys. are tiny little towns, and they're all kind of like right beside each other. It was then that he was on the run that he meets another chick who, her, she was 17 years old, and, and she was from Lumbee, and her name is Lenny. Well, Pee Wee just wanted to have sex with her, but she refused until he told her he loved her and wanted to marry her because sometimes girls are dumb. And unfortunately, some bitches be stupid their whole lives. But anyway. That's a fair statement. It is fair. Don't be dumb. I wish I had a judge's gavel. Bam. Bam. Right. Right. Well, they got married at her family's house, and they lived there with them for three months until, yeah, he got bored again, and he skipped town with no intentions of ever seeing this poor girl again. And it wasn't that he didn't love her. He said it was the bothersomeness and the restlessness that caused him to want to leave. So Pee Wee stops in Charlotte, and we're talking North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and called one of his fences, which are the people that, you know, he's given stolen goods to, and asked them where he could find one of his wives because he's just wanting to have sex. This man is, like, so sexually driven. It's, un- it's like, I-, I just, I don't get it. Well, 
This is Jerry. So remember a couple of wives ago? Yeah. Jerry. He, this fencing person knew that Jerry was living in Lake City. So, and working in like a town right beside it. Well, Pee Wee phones her and asks her to meet him in Savannah, which this dumb bitch does. I mean, come on. So in two days after he had gotten to Savannah, she comes on down. Well, they leave Savannah and they go to Florida to locate, once again, his cornhole buddy, Poss, so that they can then try to join the carnival. And when they arrive, they find out that Poss has killed himself. Apparently, he had bought his wife an, in a, they were in a mobile home, and he had bought her a kerosene heater. Well, in the middle of the night, one of the kids knocked over the kerosene he- heater and it burned while then, and this is while Posse's at the carnival mm-hmm. away and killed Posse's wife and all of his children. Ooh. So at the funeral, Posse laid himself over the, you know, casket yeah, yeah. and ha- pulled out a gun and shot himself in the head. So, and it, you know, it bothered Pee-wee a lot that, you know, Poss had killed himself. But he and Jerry leave because there's, you know, what can he do? Um, And the guy didn't know where the carnival was. So he leaves the next day to go back to North Carolina. When Jerry, who was going to go with him, decided that she didn't want to spend the rest of her life with a married, I mean, a man on the run. So she wants to go back home. He was going to drop her off in Savannah. Well, she's asleep in the car while they're crossing the Georgia-Florida state line when Pee-wee sees blue lights behind him. <laughs> Apparently, he was speeding, and I think he said he was doing like a 90 and a 50. So, yeah, he was, he was, pretty, he was going pretty fast. Anyway, he knew if he got pulled over, he'd be going back to jail. So he punches the gas and flies down the fucking interstate with a cop bar behind him. Well, unfortunately for this dumbass, his tire blew, and the car like goes starts going down like an emba- an embankment into like a swamp, and it starts to sink. Well, Pee Wee escapes out the window and hauls ass, like crouches down in like the sawgrass, and is escaping. Well, Jerry, the cops are like, you know, come out, walk backwards, blah blah blah, which she does, and she, you know, gets taken away. I don't think she got charged or anything, but, you know, they did capture her. Well, Pee-wee stays in the swamps, and he keeps moving until he finds a train car, like an empty one. He jumps in, goes, takes a nap, wakes up in fucking Savannah. So, once he, he's there, he finds a room to stay in, and he bought some new clothes. And then he heads to a bus station to go back to North Carolina. So in North Carolina, Pee-wee took his chances and decides to call his other wife, Lenny, the one that, you know, he had left right. and didn't think he would ever see again, didn't want to see again. This chick agrees to to see him, have dinner, and then they spent the night fucking each other's brains out at like this, you know, boarding house that he was staying at. Well, he wakes up the next morning to none other than fucking police in his room. Lenny wasn't there. She had left and she was pissed because that motherfucker had dipped out on her ass and called the cops and ratted Pee Wee out and they took him back to the Florence County jail. It's 
called A Woman's Scorn. Learn about it. Oh, absolutely. Well, Pee-wee felt like he could convince a jury that there was nothing wrong, nothing wrong with making sweet love love. <laughs> sweet, sweet gross. love to a 12-year-old girl. And uh, in his head, he thought he was not, you know, who doesn't love people loving each other? I don't know. Luckily, <clears throat> the judge and the jury didn't, you know, agree with his line of thought and didn't convince them. And Pee-wee was sentenced to six years for the statutory rape plus two years for escaping from the Florence County Courthouse. This time, Pee-wee's stint in the jail was pretty fucking good. It was 1964, and his nickname, um, which was, you know, I think they basically called him the little hatchet man for the most part, um, and position in jail got him all the fresh meat he wanted, and he minded his P's and Q's. Okay. <clears throat> so he's cornholing and minding some P's and Q's. <laughs> Then in the summer of 1968, Pee-wee asked and got an appointment with the warden in his office. He pleaded that he had spent more than four years without causing problems and believed he deserved all his good time credits and would appreciate them being put in his folder along with a recommendation to the parole board. Oh. Yep. So in 1968, in November, he was paroled. I didn't realize he was so persuasive, but yeah, I guess yeah. they probably just want him to get the fuck out. Oh, yeah. That, You're absolutely. taking up space. Well, he's 35 at this point. He's released from prison with a special condition on his release that if he so much as set foot in Florence County for two years, he would be arrested and sent back to prison because that's where he had kit, you know, committed most of his crimes. Pee-wee swore he would never go back to prison. It didn't mean he wasn't going to live a clean life, per se. He just wasn't going to get fucking caught. He did get a job at a construction company and rented like a rundown place in the country, which was just an empty tenant house um, that he had rented from like <clears throat> this old couple. And they were too old to like go check on shit. So he had basically st stored all his store and po stolen parts, um, you know, for cars um, and used the barn that was on the property to strip the cars, repaint them and then sell them. So, and apparently, like I said, he was really good at this. Yeah. All of his family still lived in Florence County, including Pee-wee's first wife, the one that actually legally divorced him, Mary and his little girl who was by now 17 with her own children, which I, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I got fucking nothing. So Pee-wee's got a bloodline people. Oh yeah. He absolutely does. Well, Pee-wee generally stayed in and around Sumter County with one or more women, usually in, like, nice trailers or mobile homes. So he was, like, using fucking women. He was also going to honky-tonks regularly and sleeping with women, like, all over. But it didn't matter how enjoyable things were for him. Once he started having this, like, bothersome feeling, again, like, he just... He, he's out. He's out. He's dipping. I'm out. I get that. I'm bored. I'm <clears throat> moving on. Yeah. Or I'm uncomfortable when I'm moving on. Yeah, but I mean, this bothersome feeling is not the bothersome feeling you and I may have. You know, it's it's the something that's gnawing at him and wanting... It, it's like a monster inside that can't get out. Pee-wee said that he would just get this heaviness in his gut, then up to his spine and into his head and then down again. He said it hurt from his balls to begin, like or to behind his eyes. It was a terrible kind of pain 
that felt like it wanted to tear him open so it could get out. And he knew that it was best for him to just get away from people, period. Anybody that he cared about, for that matter. So, to ease his pain, Pee-wee would drive along the Carolina coast and on roads that he had learned when he had been traveling with the Reverend Todd. And whenever he saw a girl hitchhiking, hiking, he would give her a lift. <clears throat> well, he would always make small, small, you know, like small talk, and would then ask if she had a place to stay. And if she said no, he would offer to get them a motel room for the night. And if she said no, he'd offer to buy a blowjob or a piece of ass. Which, if she said no again, which I'm going to think that, you know, for most people, that's going to be a hard fucking no. Um, he would stop the car, tell them to get the fuck out, because he wasn't going to, you know, get something for nothing. Well, he starts questioning, you know, why the fuck he is either paying for ass or and or allowing women to say no. And it was really ones that were saying no that were the ones that he really wanted to have sex with. And he found himself masturbating about stringing these chicks up by their ankles, whipping them bloody or doing worse. Generally, it took about 24 hours of driving up and down the coast that Pee Wee would start to settle down, you know, whether, whether or not he got laid. So, He'd just drive. If he got laid, great. If not, he would still settle down. Either way, the bad feelings would start creeping back up in about like two weeks or so after he would take these drives. <clears throat> but then in 19, September of 1969, Pee-wee was in serious pain. So he leaves Sumter before sunrise and decides he's going to drive to Myrtle Beach. It was after Labor Day, and as you know, the beaches get pretty deserted after Labor Day. So there weren't a whole lot of chicks, yeah. people around. It was mid-afternoon when Pee-wee finally saw a blonde hitchhiker <clears throat> looking for a ride near an intersection of the road that comes over the causeway from Polly's Island. She was pretty tanned and looked to be about 18 and said that she was going to Charleston and that night and then Jacksonville the following day to meet with friends in Miami and work on a yacht which sounds like a fucking cool gig to me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she was super chatty when Pee-wee is interrupting her and tells her that he hadn't planned on driving further than Georgetown that night, but he would gladly take her all the way to Charleston where they would have, you know, they could have supper and share a hotel room. Well, unfortunately for this poor girl, she laughed out loud because that laugh is what takes this into overdrive. Well, that kind of pissed him out, pissed him off. And she just kind of kept laughing. And I think it was more of a nervous laugh. But I mean, if I'm looking at Pee Wee, I would have fucking laughed too. Because I mean, give me a fucking break. Well, she says, you know, no. She, She says that, you know, thank you, but no. And that he's, you know, kind of pissed at this point and says, you know, you need to get the fuck out and and figure out how to get to Charleston on your own because he wasn't going to get, you know, do something for nothing essentially. Well, the girl says, all right, fine, let me out. Well, Pee-wee pulls the car over, looks at her, and decides right then and there that his passenger needed to die, which would be the first of many, many of what he called, quote, his coastal killings. 
As the girl reached around the back seat to grab her duffel bag, Pee-wee slammed his fist into the side of her head, knocked her on the dashboard, like so her head's like flying forward on the dashboard. He hits her two more times. She falls on the floorboard and lies like still. She's dead still. Pee-wee removes her belt and loops it around her neck. As the girl's coming to, Pee-wee opened the car door, grabbed the end of the neck belt, and pulled her out of the driver's side. She lands on the ground on her back. So, right off, this motherfucker's got a whole lot of fucking aggression in this situation. Pent up. Oh, yeah. Every time this poor girl yelled, Pee-wee jerked the belt, and she choked and sputtered. She just kept yelling and trying to get up until finally Pee-wee reaches under the car seat, pulls out his zipper case, and out with that, his toothpick knife. And I had to look this up because I didn't know what a toothpick knife is, but it's like a goddamn dagger. Like, it's just, it's a fucking dagger. And he rips off her shirt, sandals, jeans, and underwear and spreads her legs apart. He then undresses himself, forces her to give him a blowjob. He then straddled her and pinched her nipple between his finger and thumb and pulled away as hard as he could and then sliced it off. Yeah. Sliced off an inch of her breast. Yeah. He slices it, puts it between his teeth and then smiles and told her to suck on it, which she did. And then he shoved the whole piece of it in her mouth and told her to chew it up and swallow. So I'm sorry, but that is the most fucking grossest thing. I think I could watch a million horror movies like slasher films and not be grossed out as much as this fucking situation right here. You fucking take my nipple and you're fucking slicing it off and then telling me to chew it. I'm going to, I mean, can you imagine this poor girl's fucking fear? Not at all. Well, she gags, as I would fucking totally gag, and tries to get up and pukes all over herself and Pee-wee, which pissed him off because he said that just wasn't necessary. (laughs) So he stood up. Pee-wee, none of this is necessary. Right. None of it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Stands up, stomps on her pelvic bone, after which he rolls her over and begins raping her some more. While she begs him to stop... It just fucking eggs him on. And so the more she's begging him to stop, the more he tightens the belt around her neck. Well, once he's done, he then made her lick him clean. Now, remember, Arthur made him lick him clean. So, I mean, he just learned behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then he picks her up, puts her in the trunk of his car, and drove to a shack. He picked up a used, like a rusty old pulley and chain and put them in his car and stopped at a gas station and told her not to utter a fucking word or he'd kill her and then bought 50 feet worth of like length of of clothesline. And so, of course, she doesn't know what the fuck's going on because she's in a fucking trunk of a car. Pee-wee then drives further down the coast where the marsh like comes up close to the highway And they're, like, thick with sawgrass and swamp plants and shit like that. When he spots a turnoff, he drives slow, like, he slows down and drives to a dumping point where there's, like, marsh along all three sides of, you know, the road. 
He pulls the girl out of the truck, takes the belt off her wrists, and then ties them like her wrists together with a piece of clothesline. Then he stuffs her panties in her mouth and cut off part of her shirt and gags her with it. She's like laying on her side. So he tied her knees together and looped the rope around her nut and then tightens the rope and then knots it. He then slid the point of his, you know, toothpick knife Mm -hmm. inside of her and like a full inch into her ass. And then he slowly pushes all 11 inches in of the toothpick blade and then all the way up to like the hilt. And then he slices upward and pulls out. So like he no shit just made like one big episiotomy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you ladies know about episiotomies, but holy shit. When a doctor did it, when you're given birth and you rip yourself and you know, the doctor would cut it. I don't, they don't do that shit anymore. They, they actually let you rip cause it heals better. But yeah, I mean, this poor girl is fucking got one big fucking giant hole now. It's awful. So she's twisting and screaming, and he's dragging her to the water. He drapes her over, a, like, across a six-foot pine limb, and then he dug, um, he drug her to the side of the marsh, you know, lays her across the limb and floats it out as far as he could reach and then dumps her off. So she's tied up, like, basically hog-tied. No, nope. She's... Clearly dying. Yep. So she then, you know, sinks down into the marsh until there were no more bubbles. And he watches this whole fucking thing. Pee Wee took, took her belongings and sunk those as well, like her duffel bag and all that. But before doing that, he like lo- rifled through it to look for money because he's like, oh, you know, surely she's got some fucking money. Well, he finds her ID. And he thinks the identification card says Leela or Lila. He, he doesn't remember. But she's from Massachusetts. He didn't care, like, who, what, where these fucking girls were from at all. It was, it's horrible. I mean, he just, he wanted to ease his own fucking pain. Yeah. So it was dark and raining by the time he got to a truck stop, almost to Sumter, and, and was fucking starving. <clears throat> he, ha- he said he ate the biggest steak on the menu and then left the waitress a large tip, like five bucks. I guess that was a large tip back then. <laughs> but <clears throat> this is the first time Pee Wee says he felt like the bother- bothersomeness was gone for at least a time. Six weeks after his first kill, he started feeling the heaviness again. So he went out looking for his next victim. Mm. By Christmas of 1969, Pee Wee had killed three women. And then during 1970, Pee-wee averaged one kill about every six weeks. He was constantly trying new ways to kill women, including pumping one full of water, which probably fucking hurt really bad. And it filled her up until it came out of her nose and mouth and made her die like really quickly, which is not what he wanted. So he never tried that again. Generally, he took his time and killed them all the same way, weighting them down and then drowning them, taking care of killing and burying them like both at the same time, making sure to take off like a really expensive pair of handcuffs um, that he didn't want to lose. So he would like cut <clears throat> them the same way too? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, he would torture them differently. Oh, okay. But Ugh. he generally would weight them down like 
however, like tie them up, weight them down, and then bury them, you know, whether it was in the marsh or he, yeah, or, mm. or in a grave. So by 1970, Pee-wee's coastal kill total was upwards of 10 girls. And so that's where we're going to stop today because when we talk next week, we're going to talk about his serious killings, what he called his serious killings. And the serious killings were... This was my starter packet. Yeah. Welcome to the big leagues next week. Well, the serious killings were people he knew the names of. Oh. And knew where they were from. Oh, and that he remembered the that names he knows. Of, yeah, so not that he actually yeah. knew personally. Yeah. So, well, yeah, some of them he did actually. Oh, God. So the and and one of them, you'll see, is is really close. It's it's fucked up. The coastal killings were just a way for him to get rid of the bothersomeness, as he said, and make himself feel better. Feel and it was just some hitchhiker. He didn't want to know who it was. Yeah. Pick him up, torture Kinda him, like a one kill. night stand. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. So don't do one night stands and don't hitchhike yeah don't no tattoo names on your back. yeah so we've learned a lot of lessons children <laughs> no tattoos with your names or significant others for the time being because that shit is never good do not have one night stands and don't hitchhike and don't pick up and do not fucking hitchhike right do people still do that I have seen hitchhikers. Fuck that. Now, I don't see them <clears throat> as much. I've, I saw one recently when I was, um, God, I don't know. Maybe I was going back mm-hmm. and forth to maybe my mom's condo or something. Yeah. It was pretty recently. Yeah, and no. It was a woman. Oh, my. And she looked to be and maybe in her 60s or 50s, like an older woman. Wow. And she was walking backwards with her thumb out. <clears throat> and then she put her thumb down, like when people pass. Well, because it's against the law now. Yeah. And it, well, at least in the state of South Carolina, it's been against the law for a, for a while. But yeah. I was like, yeah. that is so dangerous. Shit. Yeah. You can. Oh my god. Because either one, you're going to pick up a serial killer, or you're going to get in the car of a serial killer. I mean, come on. Yeah. Give me a break. Exactly. Yeah. So no, well, that was the story. That's the beginnings of Pee Wee Gatskins. And um, it's going to get a lot worse, guys. So you're going to have to hold on to your So your put butts. your helmets on next week. Yeah. And um, in the meantime, go to our website, statusmacabre.com. Like, give us a like, you guys, on, yes. on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like and follow us. Send us an email, statusmacabre at statusmacabre.com. Yes, we want to hear you, people. We love. We want to give love, some shout outs, but love. I got nobody to shout out to your emails yeah so um definitely uh send us something we are i know we said when we first started the podcast that we're going to boston in a few weeks yes so we're super wicked excited about that yeah and i want to actually clear up something so we said i think last episode we had a youtube channel and i know um we actually got an individual called us out this weekend who shall remain nameless. nameless but um, they did try to go and look us up on t- YouTube. So we, we got the site, the channel, the is channel, up. but we don't have, um, content content yet. We're so converting yes. and posting hopefully this week. Yeah. That's the goal this week is to get some, a few episodes out there. So if you are a big YouTube fan, um, we'll have some episodes out there soon. And also two booze bandages, you guys, I know we got to put that up on the, on the website too, but we have these Booze bandages who that are branded. Um, these are if you if you just need 
vitamin B, pop them on. Or yep. if you are planning on drinking, you put the booze bandage on. It's a sticker. It's branded. It's really cool. It says status macabre. Um, you put it on before you start drinking. I think it's eight hours. It lasts hours, eight hours. And it just pumps you full of vitamin B. So they are have, fantastic. We, we have them. I've given them to my sons. Chrissy uses them. So um, shoot us um, an, an email. Yeah. And maybe you'll get one. So, um, yeah, we're going to be putting them up hopefully soon and because those are going to be for sale as well. So, anyway, thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening Bye. and have a great week. Bye. 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 Bye.